0: And she said it had more to do with uh, focusing on your PhD while friends are doing other things, other life milestones, such as buying houses, Mm. traveling, and marrying. So what she specifically said was, for me, it was being a student during the formative adult years when your friends are working, making money, and uh, owning houses.
1: For sure. Welcome, everybody, to the 65th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science-adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyist. My name is Susanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Jaron. Hi! So we all know that doing a PhD has its fair share of pros and cons. But what you might not be aware of are the hidden costs of doing a PhD. Things you aren't aware of when you start, but we'll find out along the way. We recently asked our audience about the hidden costs they discovered, and we got quite a few interesting answers that might help the next generation of PhD students. This will certainly be an interesting episode, and we hope to shed more light on the often ignored or unrecognized struggles of PhD students. So let's start!
0: If you like this episode, please subscribe or leave us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform. This really helps us out and makes this podcast possible.
1: For sure. So the hidden cost of doing a PhD. With this, we mean any drawbacks that are not obvious and that you only really find out about when actually doing a PhD. And we believe that these hidden costs should be talked about more so that future PhD students can make a really informed decision about whether they want to do a PhD, but also that if you're doing a PhD, that you can be more aware of these pitfalls and maybe avoid some of them. So we posted the question, what has been a hidden cost of doing a PhD you weren't aware of when you started it? Uh, On our social media channels, and we got a lot of responses, over 150 of them. So we have a lot to work with this episode and we grouped them together in five broad categories. Jaron, which ones are those?
0: Yeah. So those are financial, relationships, mental health, work-life balance, and personal milestones.
1: Yes. So we'll talk about all of them. Um, Now we won't be able to mention everybody who responded. We will highlight some of you, the ones that stood out to us, but we of course want to thank all of the academics that took the time to respond to the question. And hopefully the next generation of PhD students can really learn something from your experiences. So Jaron, why did we ask this question in the first place?
0: Uh, as with many things, it first started out with just mostly personal curiosity on my side. But, uh, and it, uh, I would say it also had to do with um, often feeling like people tend to gloss over some of the struggles that are associated with doing a PhD. Whether that's, you know, that it's difficult to post about it on, online or really talk about it in more depth with people in, in certain circumstances, I don't know, but I figured I would just give people the opportunity to to air their grievances, as it were, online uh, by, yeah, just asking it out and see what ca- comes out of it. Uh, little did I know that we were going to get uh, over 150 replies, uh, so people really had a lot to say and well, that, that works out great for us that we get to share they're what they want to say
1: for sure it's definitely a topic that a lot of people also feel strongly about so important topic to make an episode about yes so the first category was
0: financial so okay so one of the big things people mentioned under this category and got the most likes and most got uh, most people agreed on out of everything uh was not saving up for your retirement. Mm. This came to us via two different people on uh, on Twitter, Dr. Lisa Monroe and Julie Leberken. Sorry if I'm butchering that. And yeah, they they mention uh, not saving up for your retirement. Uh, you can expect to be approximately a decade or more behind your non PhD peers in retirement savings. And they don't hear enough people talking about this uh, either. And I do have to say, maybe this really differs depending on what country you do your phd in um -hmm. i think for us in the netherlands we do sort of have retirement savings for with our phd
1: yeah the standard government yeah exactly
0: where and i think perhaps in the u.s that's not the case indeed or other countries maybe as well
1: no no for sure and that's not something that you um really realize when you start out
0: yeah it's sort of this invisible thing right and it takes years to build up and and time to accumulate like being a decade behind really, really hurts you when you, mm, when you sure, yeah. need to retire. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. That's definitely uh, an important one—not short-term important, but definitely long-term important for. Yeah.
1: Yes, and the other financial one was funding worries. I have to say, this seems a little bit more obvious when it comes to the PhD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but constantly having to worry about like if you have funding for your next year of your job and life, basically. Mm-hmm is definitely one of the big worries that many PhD struggles with.
0: Yeah, I can imagine indeed, like, you know, if there's only funding for three years, but you have a four-year program and suddenly, Mm. you you know, that's a bit awkward from time to time.
1: Yeah, Uh, but a little bit more talked about than retirement for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, indeed it's more talked about, but I think, I think, at least in my case, like I had a fully funded PhD. I I sort of took that for granted, I guess. Uh, Mm. I I can't imagine also having to maybe write a grant or worry about funding on top of everything else.
1: No, indeed.
0: Yes. So I guess that brings us then to our next category, uh, which is relationships.
1: Relationships.
0: Yeah. So this is a pretty broad one, but um, so one of the big comments that uh, people said here were had to do with not giving enough attention to friendships or simply not having enough time to hang out with friends and be a good friend uh, in return to them. Mm. This was posted by uh, Rebecca Chloe brown Tome, and she specifically said, my friendships, I'm in my mid-30s, so most folks I know are working stably and have families. I no longer give them the attention they deserve because I'm so tired from working and studying.
1: Oh, that's definitely a good one. Yeah. I can also imagine that having to move a lot is mm. a, a big problem for friendships. Yeah, I also know my friends from university are basically in different countries at this moment, mm. uh, uh, or uh, in different cities, at least all over the, all over the country.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that also definitely doesn't help, although we try to keep in contact, of course.
0: Yeah, I, I'm grateful that we do have like those options, like those digital options, like a Zoom or a Skype or whatever, or calling, that 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 still helps. But, you know, it's not being there in person with the people and hanging True. out or grabbing a drink or whatever. True. So,
1: and I can definitely imagine being in different stages mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. I recently had a, had a bachelorette party <laughs> where it was all about being a new mom and... <laughs> I couldn't relate at all.
0: (laughs) Slightly different stage of life, I guess. Yes,
1: exactly. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we've been missing in other AI tools.
0: Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real, verified information that you can then also check the source of.
1: Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list.
0: And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of... and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Yes.
1: Okay, and the second uh, one from a relationship was also how much time you spent away from family. And this was put forward by, uh, among others, uh, Andres Saoet-Sang. And uh, he says... Um, time away from family, two years after I started my PhD abroad, I could finally visit home for the first time. I was shocked when I saw how much my parents had aged. And yeah, especially if you are abroad, I can completely imagine how difficult it is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, just being also homesick, and Mm -hmm. maybe you just have, like, a really good connection with your family and stuff like that, and yeah, uh, you might be at the, your parents might be at the age where, you know, stuff starts happening, and you you might not be there for them at that moment.
1: And of course, you don't have to do a PhD abroad. Mm. You can look for something closer. Yeah. But I would say I often hear that it's recommended to do one abroad or then do a postdoc abroad if your PhD wasn't abroad because it increases your chances of finding a future job, PI space, getting tenure track a lot mm. if you can add on your CV that you did something abroad.
0: Yeah. Um, i don't know if that's also dependent on like what university or whatever i guess i assume so but yeah no it's I it's definitely tough to to sort of say goodbye to everything and and start almost over with also with your friends with your connections with everything uh abroad while doing a phd <laughs> i
1: think it's also often well often sometimes splits up families mm where if you have to do a postdoc for a couple of years in a different space, your children and your family cannot always move with you or you might not want that mm. if it's only for a couple of years. Um, it's 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 a difficult job that has very little stability in terms of location, which indeed impacts family and friends a lot.
0: Yeah, and I mean also com- maybe coming back as well to, to friendships and stuff like that, during your PhD you might also have some time that you work in a different group abroad mm. i know at least one phd student in uh, our department uh i think did stuff in either new zealand or australia for a couple of weeks uh some experiments there or some experiments in the u.s as well you know and let's say if you have a partner or whatever like yeah mm. that, that's also just a bit like long, not really long distance all the time but like you know impromptu i guess
1: yes now of course you do make new friends in the lab and uh Especially if you have a lab with multiple international PhD students, you can get like really fun relationships with that. At the same time, it often turns into most of your social life being mm. in the lab, which is also not always the healthiest thing. Um
0: Yeah, I think we'll we'll get into that in a bit of like mm. there's no real boundaries then anymore. No, no. Indeed. Yes.
1: Let's move on to mental health.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, so the the next topic that got brought up by uh, uh, one of uh, the accounts we love following on on Twitter, or X now, is from Academic Encouragement, and he said that this uh, really affected his confidence. Um, they said the uh, PG really took an emotional toll on them. There's There are millions of ways the PG will affect your confidence, no matter what you do, and often the outcomes of the work you put in is outside of your control. Learning to let go and trusting the unseen uh, has helped, but was a steep learning curve for me
1: yes so much luck is involved Mm -hmm. so little is in your control and then you also have pis that are your professors that have an opinion about thing and usually their shape goes and i can definitely see that that confidence can be affected there
0: yeah i mean ultimately all you can do is put in the effort that you you are able to do and just try your best and stuff like that but sometimes mm-hmm. it's just the, the hypothesis is wrong <laughs> and yeah. there's nothing you can do about that sometimes you don't get the best project in the group that mm-hmm. you know
1: and, and sometimes it's a real good moment for personal growth mm-hmm. it's usually not fun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which personal growth rarely is and if it really starts affecting your confidence then that's definitely a, a not so not good effect of yes. have, doing a phd yeah Okay, the next emotional effect is that you can also become very lonely, which of course also has to do with not having friends or not having your family close by. Uh, and Lucy Coster, one of our followers said, "I wasn't aware of just how lonely it would be and the mental toll of that." But saying that, I do have some wonderful colleagues who support each other to combat this. Well, there you have the wonderful colleagues again—that um, you can build really cool friendships with the other members in your lab.
0: Mm yeah no for sure Uh, i mean we we i think that's the thing right like ultimately you you have to make friends with with your colleagues uh they
1: understand also what you're yeah exactly most
0: you have someone to talk to who understands indeed what you're what you're going through
1: Mm. but at the same time the difficult thing about academia is that they're also a little bit of competition almost Mm. sometimes a lot sometimes just a little Mm -hmm. you're always comparing yourself to these other people how are they handling the stress how are they handling the grant writing oh oh they have managed to write a paper in a month and i'm taking months to Mm. to even get to this point um so that that comparison can also make you feel really lonely Mm. um because it makes you feel very isolated and I guess also your confidence can get lost from that.
0: No, for sure. I mean, that's the thing with the PhD, right? Like you don't get to see everyone's failures all the time. You just like, get to see like they published a paper or mm. they won a prize for a con- uh, giving a presentation and stuff. Uh, you get to see the highlights, but not really all the, the the problems unless they specifically tell you that. Yeah. So yeah, no, it can definitely, it does get lonely. Luckily we have each other. Mm, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yes, Speaking
1: so. of uh, relationships built in, the, <laughs> in the, that are unhealthy. <laughs> well, unhealthy.
0: <laughs> I am very healthy. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, me too. Hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I guess the last uh, topic that com- got brought up for for the mental health section is sort of more, it's a pretty, uh, not really exhaustive list, but it does hit quite a few different things related to mental health. And this was from, hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, Carol uh, Cher. On Twitter. (laughs) Uh, And they said the mental health in general, so uh, lack of motivation, chronic exhaustion, stress-related GERD. I have never held something in so much contempt before as my PhD. If I could go back in time, I would tell my younger self to not do the PhD. It's not worth the psychological and physical damage it's caused. So definitely Mm -hmm. an intense PhD journey uh, for for them.
1: I think most PhDs after the PhD have to recover a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I I I can imagine that, especially by the time you actually have to do your defense and everything mm. and there's just there's just so much going on.
1: Well you also sort of drag yourself forward to that point mm. and just try to keep going because you're almost done and then yeah. that toll comes that toll comes at some point.
0: Yeah, and I think in our cases we were lucky enough to have like great colleagues, like mm. you know, that we can talk to and stuff like that. But imagine if you're in a lab where it's just hyper competitive, you can't mm. trust anyone the the phd is already tough enough like the more stuff you add on top of it it doesn't help
1: no for sure
0: yes yes so moving on then to the next topic uh well we hinted at this before work-life balance so the first comment uh in this topic that got brought up was sort of the blurred boundaries between work life uh, and this was from uh one of our favorite accounts on twitter research f phd um, and they said at the start i enjoyed flexibility working anytime anywhere which led to the an unintentional abuse of my personal time. As a result, my hidden cost was the blurring of boundaries between personal and professional life, where working nights or weekends was considered normal.
1: yes, that that's for sure a difficult one. And I also love the flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also love the flexibility we have in podcast making, and that also tends to take mm. up <laughs> way more time than it should.
0: It's a skill you need to sort of learn to mm. to set your boundaries a little bit, I think, as well.
1: It's hard.
0: For sure. I mean, especially in our cases where we have cells in the weekend that need to be passage, right? It's like There's uh,
1: always a reason. And there's mm-hmm. always the thought that your experiments will just be finished a little bit sooner if you yeah. just do this. And I have, I mean, at some point... Uh, we talked about this in the in the cursed experiment you mm. were you were in the hospital oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and i thought that the next morning i still had to go back to mm-hmm. save myself yeah. and they all had fungus so i was there for absolutely nothing and i was completely destroyed mm. it's not worth it no. it's not worth it um that that week that you save that, mm. that you don't you're not saving it it will it will cost you somewhere else
0: no exactly i mean it's sort of the the you need to balance out like how much productivity you want to try and get in or try to squeeze in like save an extra day if you do one more experiment or something faster or if
1: you just stay a little bit later yeah you you will pay the price also in your energy levels and your motivation for it Mm -hmm. and it will come back to bite you
0: i mean the more time you're spending on your research the less time you're spending on i don't know like staying healthy eating right getting enough sleep uh every your friends right so it it, it comes at a cost somewhere else yeah Yeah. You know? so the best thing you can do is uh try to figure out how to set those boundaries uh and the phd is a good unfortunately is the way that we often tend to learn this the first the first go around just because i guess we come from our bachelor's or our master's and start our phd where there was no real work life balance it's studying mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
1: Yes. Okay, the next one is an interesting one, uh, was brought up by Grant Jenkins, I think, <laughs> that you pronounce <laughs> <laughs> it like that. And he said that uh, uh, the biggest hidden one for me was not having the time to get CV slash covering letters together and apply for jobs. Writing a PhD thesis and applying for jobs at the same time was beyond my ability, so I had to start the job hunt post-PhD, so no wage. Luckily I had support, others won't. Mm. I can definitely imagine. You're already so overwhelmed with everything that you have to finish up and the deadlines you have to make and the people you need to email and everything, keeping everything together of something that you're literally doing for the first time ever mm. uh, with very little administrative support <laughs> also often um, is, is a lot. And I mean, putting off Starting even CV and cover letters, I mm, I feel that
0: <laughs> no, for sure, right? And I mean, it's sort of like you you there's how should I put this the thesis deadline, the writing, the you need to be doing this. You're probably already behind on some deadlines. Mm. It's sort of like you're trying to just dig yourself out of that hole to finish this thing that you sort of put off. The okay, but what's the next step, right? Like that bridge will cross it when yeah. we get to it, and unfortunately, and
1: it's also not something. Just what to put on your CV in terms mm. of skills that you've learned during the PhD, that's not something you get help with or get taught or if, is any focus on during the PhD. It's just like write, write your thesis, get those papers out, do the research. What comes after is basically not academia's problem.
0: No, exactly. I mean, for most of us, like the last time we wrote a cover letter or prepared a CV was, it was when we applied PhD. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> and there we probably didn't have all that much to put on it. And
1: but that was also a very specific CV mm-hmm. where you just wanted to show what type of of um, methods you had mm-hmm. done, if you could QPCR, if you had experience with Western blot, things like that. Yeah. Nobody is interested if you are living academia that you can do a Western yeah. blot. Uh, so the CV has to look very, very, very different and uh, that's difficult.
0: Yeah. And I mean, probably that will require looking up online, learning about how to make a proper CV of a proper thing and seeing what people are doing nowadays four or five years after you, the last CV you wrote. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's also just, it it just takes a lot of time. For sure. Yeah. So that then brings us, I guess, to our next, uh, and I think also our last uh, topic for this episode mm-hmm. the personal milestones uh and the biggest one here was uh from Tanya uh and she said uh, it was more it had more to do with uh focusing on your phd while friends are doing other things other life uh, milestones such as buying houses mm. traveling and marrying so what she specifically said was for me it was being a student during the formative adult years when your friends are working making money and uh, owning houses
1: for sure,
0: yeah. It it's wouldn't
1: we all love to own a
0: house? <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> but then you don't <laughs> know
1: where you will end up, so you have no clue where to buy a house. And yeah, then... <laughs>
0: exactly right. I mean, especially if you want to stay in academia after your PhD, like, what do you do? Like, mm. can you buy a house? I mean, you might suddenly, if like in our case, I we knew a PhD student who bought a house in the Netherlands and then moved to the to the US.
1: For sure.
0: So, yeah. It, it's definitely a difficult thing, and, and
1: that's only in case you have money to buy the house. Exactly, you like usually don't.
0: yes, <laughs> that that's like the next level of, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, we've also heard of PIs who are postponing or having uh, postponing, like having children, as well. So
1: yeah, because the genetic track process process is also intense. And yep. ha- yes, yes, for
0: sure. So it it. I, I don't think it necessarily... Gets better. <laughs> That's the unfortunate bit of information that I was... I, yeah. I, I don't know how to... Uh...
1: I also feel I have put off some things mm-hmm. during the PhD because I thought that they would come later yep. and I shouldn't have. I, I felt like I had to focus on the PhD and, and on that. Mm-hmm. But I should have taken more holidays and I should Mm. have traveled more and I should have done those things also.
0: Yeah. I mean, our only excuse was uh, COVID. I think uh, that did sort of stop some stuff. But indeed, like we we indeed should have. But
1: I had my experiments to finish and my cells wouldn't survive if I go a week on holiday because then I have to start everything over and it's horrible. So no holidays. But I do think there are other PhD students who definitely do this better
0: for sure and hopefully this episode will help them (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) okay um we also have another one from aporva and um she said that forgetting how fun i used to be was one of her main ones um yeah
0: yeah i think it maybe is related to sort of the the friends and not being able to hang out with your friends and stuff like that like right like you're so busy with your phd and just doing experiments and stuff like that and maybe you're you're a different person professionally than you are sort of privately uh, which or with your friends and stuff like that that you you just yeah you don't really get to have fun and enjoy your enjoy stuff mm. anymore but i'm sort of speculating on what you said
1: <laughs> yes well also just the amount of energy you have left over at mm. the end of the day is also not a lot yeah um so yeah
0: yeah, and just imagine taking care of that house or traveling <laughs> or yeah, babies.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Yeah,
0: and I can imagine those uh, life milestones get put off.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh, those were our five main categories. Of course, in the 150 uh, posts, we had a lot of different mm. things, but we think they all kind of fell into those five. Um, And we think we hit on some very big and important hidden costs of doing a PhD that people need to be aware of both before and during their PhDs Uh, and of course these hidden costs will vary from person to person but if it helps raise awareness about the the things that people end up struggling with then that's very important for us.
0: Yes so hopefully this helps and yeah if you like this episode you can follow us or leave us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform this really helps us out and makes this podcast possible.
1: For sure. If you have any questions, suggestions or comments, you can reach us via our website, thestronglingscientist.com. You can also check out our website for some really cool science-inspired merch. And to sign up for our awesome Journal of the Struggling Scientist. Also, definitely check out our Halloween-inspired, very scary PhD shirt. And you can also follow us on social media. Date on which ones are those again.
0: Twitter slash uh, X. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and YouTube.
1: Yes, definitely also check out our now video podcast on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see you again next time. Bye. Bye.